Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate the singing here this morning. And uh, Sister Karen, is that your mom? Hey, mom. How are you? Good to see you this morning. And Franklin as well. All right. Well, here we are. And uh, I'm glad that the Lord has let me be here this morning. And uh, many a times I've wondered uh, how much longer will God continue to use us? Amen. You ever thought about that? How much longer? And I, I want to just keep on going until I can't go no more. And that's my heart's desire. And, and I know the Lord um, is in charge. And we thank God for that. Amen. So if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to uh, turn to Revelation chapter 7. I want to preach on the greatest revival that will ever be known to man. The greatest revival that will ever be known to man in Revelation chapter 7. As we stand to our feet in honor of God's holy, precious, glorious word, we pray that his word will move and win our hearts today and change us for his glory. Revelation chapter 7. Tonight I'll be preaching out of 1 Samuel chapter 7 when Brother Chris said 1 Samuel chapter 7 this morning, my heart dropped. I'm thinking, what is he in my chapter for? But he's moved on to chapter 8, so he was okay. Chapter 7 in verse 1. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth, and the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. He cried with a loud voice to the four angels, and to whom it was given to hurt the earth and sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed in 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000, and of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000, and of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. The tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000, and of the tribe of Nithilim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000, and of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Ishkar were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Zebulon were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000 after this I beheld I beheld in lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the Lord before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palms in their hands and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might, and be under our God forever and ever. Amen. One of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest? And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth in the, on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall, be, shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name here this morning, and God, we thank you for the reading of God's Word. It's been two chapters already this morning, and God, it's just good to hear your Word. And the Bible teaches us that those that hear the Word or the reading of the Word shall be blessed. And, and God, I ask you today, God, to bless your people. God, I pray that you touch the sinners today and draw them unto thee. I ask you today, God, that you'd help all of us to look within our hearts, examine our hearts. God, find whether we're of the faith or not, Lord, to search our hearts to see if there's any sin. God, anything that has caused us to be separated, Lord, divided ourselves from you. 
And Lord, I know, God, this morning, if there is anything in our hearts, it's not, uh, it's not you, it's us. And we pray, Lord, we'll get right with you this morning. I pray, God, that you'd uh, speak to our hearts in such a way that our love for you will be greater. Our commitment, dear God, will be stronger. God, do something real, real special within our service today. God, do something today, God, that will last for eternity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. How did we get to chapter 7? Well, we have began there in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, and we found that was the time of the church age. From, seven, from 30 A.D. all the way up to the day in which we live, the last church of that last age is the church of Laodiceans, the church of the people. We found in that church that Jesus is on the outside. He's knocking at the door. He's desiring to come into the church, to be in the presence of the church, to be the power of the church, to be the preeminence of the church. We find that that's the day in which we live today. Chapter 4, we find as soon as it can, as soon as it will, the rapture takes place. And the church is now removed from the earth. Now that will leave anyone and everybody who's not saved. And so when the rapture takes place in this last church age, which we are now, we'll find that there will be no one living that, that loves God. There will be no one living that's following the Lord. As soon as the rapture takes place, if it took place today, uh, as soon as that happens, friend, nobody left will have a care or a concern for the church. They have no care or concern for the word of God, for the preaching of God's word, for truth. Uh, they're not looking for anything but what flesh can, can come forth, what carnality will bring, what the world will allow. The Antichrist will come on the scene. The Antichrist will come, and when he comes, we found four horses in chapter uh, there in chapter 6. We found the first horse, which was a white horse, and he that sat upon him would have a bow, and uh, he is given unto him a crown, and he will go forth to conquer, to conquer. We find this Antichrist, the one who is against Christ, against God, would come forth, and he'll take a, a uh, hold on the whole world. In doing that, he'll do it through uh, the politician way, the Talk about how he's going to get there. It would all be about talk. It would all be about diplomacy. Uh, nothing else will bring forth uh, him but his words and the way he speaks and his charismatic way. And, and the world will be looking for a man such as this whenever this time comes. And we find after the white horse would come a red horse. That red horse would represent war, would represent uh, a killing, represent uh, hurt and pain and suffering upon the earth. And then after that comes the black horse, which represents famine, inflation. And then we find the pale horse, which is death, and which is hell that follows it. Amen. We find that as soon as the tribulation begins, uh, that a quarter of all the people of the population will be killed. Uh, that's about almost 2 million people that would take place today. And so we find a place of destruction. We find the world in chaos. We find that governments are now dysfunctional. We find that homes are in panic. We find that churches are no longer to be, yet there will be those that are in church still, but those that really know the Lord who are saved are now gone. We find that there's no restraining power uh, that will restrain evil, that will restrain the flesh, that will restrain governments, that will restrain uh, the, the, the enemies or restrain any evil. It will all be let go. It will all be a concern. It all have to be controlled by military, controlled by power, controlled by might. And we find uh, at there in this period, same period of time uh, that things are just going to change. They're going to change forever. You'll not see the world ever as it ever has been. You think COVID changed us. You wait till the, you wait till the rapture happens. It's going to change this world for all of eternity. We find now that all seems to be uh, kind of to and going to and fro. Everyone's just trying to make it. Uh, you only can make enough money for a day just for you to eat, not for your family. And so there's going to be those struggles going on. You're going to find that the family will be against family, mother against children, uh, husband against wife. You'll find children against parents. And it will be a chaotic, disastrous, chaotic mess. Amen. Uh, and then we find, as we go forth uh, into chapter 6, we find that all of everyone, whether they're rich, whether they're poor, whether they're nations, whether they're powerful, whether they're weak, whether they're not, 
Uh, they're all going to be running to the mountains. They're going to be running to the hills. They're going to be asking and calling on the rocks to fall on them so they won't see the face of the wrath of the Lamb. Amen. That was the end of chapter 6. Now we come up to chapter 7. And in chapter 7, I want you to notice three things that I notice about this chapter. I notice the justice of God. I notice the mercy of God. And I notice the grace of God. I notice these three things, which we know so well today, but you'll find it right here in chapter 7. Uh, this is sort of almost like uh, the calm in the storm. Because the tribulation period has already began, and we have seen already that all that's taken place in chapter 6, then all of a sudden we find the calm, and then it start back up here in just a moment. But within this calm... I find the justice of God. Now, every human being will receive what they deserve. Every human being will, will receive what they deserve. That's called justice. Amen? We hear that all the time. We want justice. We want justice. Everybody wants justice. Everybody ought to receive what they deserve. If you do something wrong, you should receive that. If you do something evil, you should receive that. If you do something harmful, you should receive that, right? Everybody across the world, all of media, every place, every school, every business, every church, it's all about justice, 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 except when it comes to God, right? And so we don't want justice with God because if we get justice with God, uh, that means that every sin we've ever sinned, we pay for that sin. For everything we did that's wrong and out of kelter, and all that we did that was against God, we find injustice, we find judgment. Amen? So we, we are just sort of like, almost like two-faced. We're almost like people uh, that are ones that we want justice everywhere else, this away. But when it comes to God, God have mercy. God have grace. But I say to you, friend, here in this time and this place, that every one human being will receive uh, this, uh, what they deserve. That's what the tribulation's all about. They're finally receiving what they deserve. Now, why the tribulation period? Why? Keep your fingers in Revelation, but turn to John chapter 1 with me. John chapter 1. And it kind of gives us a sort of like a two-point outline concerning why there needs to be a tribulation period anyway. I mean, what's the big deal? Why do we have to have this life we live now, then the rapture, the church being taken up, and then the tribulation beginning three and a half years later, the great tribulation? Why? Well, in John chapter 1, it tells us a few things this morning that I'd like to look at before we get back into Revelation. Chapter 1, look in verse 10. says, he, talking about Jesus, who's the Word, right? Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the, he, that's him, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now, that's two of the Jews and of the Gentiles that why they're going to go through the tribulation period. Let's talk about the Jews first. Israel received Jesus not. When Jesus came in verse 11, they said they received him not. Instead of receiving him, they rejected him. Instead of accepting Jesus and believing upon Jesus and, and taking Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they said, no, we don't want anything to do with him. Matter of fact, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us. Amen. And now in the tribulation period, that's what's happening. That blood is coming back. That rejection of Jesus by the Israelites are now coming to play. We find in the tribulation period, it's the day of the Lord. It's Jacob's trouble. It's all about the Jew. 
It's all about Israel. That's what the tribulation period is all about. They rejected Jesus, and then here we find Jesus, the Lamb of God, holding the book in his hand in chapter 6, verse 1, and it's him that's that's opening up these seals one at a time, and one seal comes in the Antichrist. Another seal comes war. Another seal comes famine. Another seal comes death and hell. And there's going to be another seal in just a moment. And then there's going to be seven trumpets. And there's going to be seven vials. And there's going to be three woes. And man, it's coming down. The tribulation period's an awful place. Why? Because in John chapter 1 and verse 11, they received not Jesus. That's justice. That's justice. We find, if you would now, turn to Daniel with me, uh, and it kind of gives us a little outline concerning about this tribulation period. Uh, We know in Daniel chapter 9, it tells us of 490 years of a timeline, and that timeline is going to be 483 years whenever it it gave a prophecy that when Jesus was cut off, let's read it in, John, in uh, Daniel chapter 9 and there in verse 24. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. That's Jerusalem. So we know he's talking about Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say and there in verse 25, Now therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, and the street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. That's going to be 483 years of the 490 years that they said this is going to be the term. And so the term of Israelites or Israel and the Jerusalem is going to be 490 years since the decree was given. That decree has been given and Jesus has come and Jesus was cut off and Jesus was cut off exactly in 483 years. Now, there's one more week left. There's one more seven period left. We find that in verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, he that convert the, he and that's confirmed this covenant is the Antichrist. That starts in Revelation chapter 6. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And, and over the overspreading abomination, he shall make to desolate. That's after three and a half years, whenever the Satan, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, the Antichrist will go into the temple in Jerusalem. He will pronounce himself as God. And that's the abomination of destruction. And that's when the three and a half years of great tribulation begins. Now, our concern this morning is why is there going to be a great, why is there going to be a great tribulation and a tribulation? Look in verse 24, it tells us, for the Jew, not for the Gentile, not for the world, but for the Jew. He says in verse 24, to finish the transgression. There will be a time of suffering for the Jew, for the Israelites, so they can finish or he will finish the transgression of Israel. So this great suffering, this great pain, two, almost two billion people dying in the first seals, all the famine, all the death, and everyone, all those two million people who died in that chapter 6 went to hell. That's the finish, the transgression of Israel. You want to reject Jesus? This is what you get. That's the justice of God. We find number two, not only the time of suffering will finish the transgression of Israel, but he says in verse 24, to make an end of sins. A time of judgment will be bring in the end to sin. The Lord is going to bring the end of the sin of Israel in the tribulation period. You want to reject Jesus? You want to reject the Messiah? You want to reject the Savior of the world? Well, then judgment is going to come upon you. And friend, I, I, you probably already read it. Everybody knows about the tribulation period and all the awful things that are going to happen. Well, mark it down. You can mark it in your Bible, however. You mark it in your heart. Mark it on your mind. The reason why the tribulation period is taking place is because of Israel to put an end to sin. 
That's justice. That's justice. You want to reject Jesus? You don't re- want to receive Jesus? You get this. You get tribulation. Number three, it's going to be a time of wrath that will cause an atonement for iniquity. He says in verse 24, to make reconciliation for iniquity. You see, when you want to sin and you want to do evil and you want to live a wicked life and you want to live a life of stubbornness and a life of rebellion, justice of God, you'll face the, you'll face the judgment of it. You'll face, friend, the very suffering of it. You'll face a time when you will understand God's wrath. And when during this tribulation period, and this is why the church will be raptured or caught up before the tribulation period, because it ain't a church issue. It's an Israel issue. And that's why the church is gone. And we find this morning uh, to know and understand why does there have to be a tribulation? Well, it's because God is telling Israel, you rejected, you rejected Jesus. You don't want to receive him. And now the justice of God is coming upon you. And that's why you're having this. And so we find this morning uh, that when the church was raptured, uh, what was left was the Jew and the Gentile, right? So we understand why the Jews are going to face this tribulation period. Now let's go to the Gentiles. You see, there's only two people in all the world today, and that's Jew and Gentile. The only place, the only organism today that will bring a Jew and a Gentile together is the church. That's it. You'll find in the Scripture the Bible teaches of a Jew and a Gentile and the church. And so this morning, we find that the church is gone. We find that Israelites are now, we understand why there's a tribulation period. But how about the Gentiles? You see, when the rapture happens, they're still Gentiles. The whole world, the whole world ain't Jew. Matter of fact, there's a whole lot more Gentiles than there are Jews. But we find when the rapture takes place and the tribulation begins, there's a multitude of Gentiles here. Now, what did the Gentiles do? Well, According to John chapter 1 and there verse 10, the Gentiles knew Jesus not. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't care to know Jesus. They still don't care to know Jesus. They don't want to know anything about Jesus. You talk to some Gentile today and say, let me tell you about Jesus. I don't care about Jesus. I don't want to know about Jesus. He can forgive you of your sins. I don't need my sins forgiven. He can change your life. I don't want to change life. He can give you joy. I got joy. I don't care about Jesus. I don't care about his death. I don't care about his burial. I don't care about his resurrection. I don't care about where he come from. I don't care about where he's going. You just leave me alone and let me be. Now the Jews are different. The Jews know there's a Messiah coming. The Jew knows that the Messiah is going to come. But what they reject was the Messiah. But the Gentiles, those that are not Jews, they're not looking for a Messiah. They're not looking for a Savior. They're not looking for a Redeemer. They're not looking for a Counselor. They're not looking for a government. They're not looking for anybody to rule their lives. They're not looking for anybody to have authority over them. They're looking to be left alone. And friend, when Jesus came, the world knew him not. And it's still the same way today. And because of that, there's justice. You don't want to know me? Guess what happens? You find yourself in the tribulation period. Because if you wanted to know me, you'd have been raptured. But because you don't want to know me, you're going to go through the tribulation period. Although that tribulation period is for the Jew, you're going to be involved in it as well. And you're going to face what they faced. They believed him not. They received him not. And now we find in the tribulation period, Jews and Gentiles, the justice of God is now upon them. Amen? I say to you this morning, it's a scareful thing. Now, what was the justice? Well, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Jesus sent the white horse. And in Genesis 6, 3 and 4, Jesus sent the red horse. 
in Genesis, I mean, uh, Revelation 6, verses 5 and 6, Jesus sent the black horse. And in Revelation 6, verse 7 through 8, Jesus sent the pale horse. At the end of the story of the first, second, third, and fourth seal, uh, they come together. They're one group. You'll find that a quarter of a billion people are now, a quarter of the whole world is now dead. Uh, they have died by the way of the sword. They have died by the way of famine. They have died by the way of death. And they've died by the way of beast. Very ugly, very painful, and very real. And every single one that died in those four seals went to hell. Is that serious? I mean, you can't get no more sobering than that. Just because you receive not Jesus and because you know not Jesus. And now this justice of God is upon them. God is very right to do what he's going to do. God is very righteous to do what he's going to do. Every sin that you ever committed must be punished. Every evil must be judged. And every wrong must be paid for. Did you know that? And friend, if you don't allow Jesus by receiving him or by knowing him to take care of your sin, then it will be taken care of in the tribulation period. The justice of God, all sin, has to be dealt with with a holy, thrice God. It is a scary thing to walk out of this church this morning unsaved. Because you're going to have to pay for your sin. And you're going to have to have the judgment upon your sin. And you're going to have the wrath of God upon your sin. And you're going to have to pay for it. And the only place that you can pay for your sin is in hell. And then once hell is judged, you'll find that you'll be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. Just because you don't want to know Jesus. Just because you don't want to receive Christ. Can I say to you this morning that chapter 6 and all that took place there in chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, all the way up to chapter 19, and all the awful judgments and all the awful uh, vows and awful woes and, and all that's going to take place, friend, is the justice of God. God is right, and God is just, and sin must be dealt with. That's the justice of God. But in the midst of the justice of God, we find the mercy of God. Look at chapter 7 with me and look there in about, uh, uh, you say, well, what does the mercy of God mean? Well, the justice of God means that, that you will receive what you deserve. But the mercy of God uh, means is not receiving what you deserve. See, everybody, whoever sinned deserves the tribulation. We deserve that judgment. We deserve that pain and suffering. We deserve that wrath. But the mercy of God is you don't receive what you deserve. And we find in the scripture here in this chapter 7 of Revelation and verses 1 through 3, we see the stopping of Jesus. My, this is so encouraging. In the midst of his tribulation, in the midst of his justice, we find all of a sudden in chapter 7, it says, After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that blue should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, that he cried with a loud voice of four angels to whom it was given to hurt to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, verse 3, remarkable here, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And so Jesus, who's in charge, who's sovereign, he is the one who's opening up these seals and all this death and all this uh, blood and all of this uh, the hurt and pain and suffering is going on because he's just. And all the justice because they rejected and they didn't know Jesus, and so this is coming upon them. But the same one who is distributing, the same one who is bringing forth this great chaos and hurt and pain is the same one that says, Stop! Every 
everyone on the four corners of all the world, you hold up. You hold the wind. Because the winds will blow here shortly. And when the winds blow, it will hurt the earth. It will hurt all the trees. It will hurt anything and everything upon the earth. But you hold back. You wait just a moment. I've got something that I want to do. I got something that my heart's desire is I want to, I want to bring forth a blessing uh, to this world. Now you say, what is going on, man? I mean, Jesus Christ, he's the one that's the Lamb of God. And he's the one who says, okay, you don't want to receive me, Israel? Boom. You don't want to receive me, Gentiles? Boom. Here you go. This is what you got. You got justice for your sin. But at the same time, my, what a wonderful Savior we have. He says, hold up. Hold up. There's some mercy that I want to bring forth here. In the midst of judgment, he said, hold up. He said, I, 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 want to, I, I don't want them to receive what they deserve. And so I've got some mercy uh, that I just want to bring forth. Don't hurt the earth. Don't hurt the sea. Don't hurt the trees. Don't hurt anybody right now. I'm not interested right this moment to hurt. I did well ago, but not right now. And so he held it up. Number two, not only does he have the, the stopping of Jesus, but I noticed the saving of Jesus. He says there in that chapter 7, and there in that verse 3, he says, till we have sealed the servants of our God. God saved. 144,000 Jews right there. Now I thought, brother, you were saying that he was a justice of God was upon the Jew in the tribulation period. It is. And I thought you said that the judgment of God was upon the Gentiles. It is. But in the midst of justice, we find mercy. And in that mercy, we find that God looks up and he says, you know what? I'm going to save 12,000 from 12 different tribes to make 144,000. And these servants will go forth and to preach the gospel in this period of justice. That's mercy. God didn't have to do that. God didn't have to say, listen, Every single one of you who was not raptured, every single one of you who did not receive or know Jesus Christ, you deserve every ounce, every bit, every hour, every second, every minute of all suffering and pain because of you and your sin. The just was the God on here, but God said, Stop! I want to give my mercy. The greatest revival was about to be born. The greatest time that this world has ever seen in the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now all this stems back from Genesis chapter 12. Turn there with me. Keep your hand there in Revelation chapter 7. We'll be right back to there. But in Genesis chapter 12, there was a time when God, the same God who's showing mercy here, is the same God who says in chapter 12 of Genesis, he said, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of the country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. I will make, make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Here's the blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You see, the original plan of our God was to look at, the pro look at the people that has been created and the sinfulness of their lives. And it was the mind of heart of God to save Israel. And Israel would receive their Messiah. 
And as they will receive their Messiah, that Israel would go out into all the Gentiles and preach the gospel. That all the world would come know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Salvation belongeth unto the Jew first, the Bible teaches. And the Bible was set forth that all of the children of Israel would win everybody to God. Right? Well, they rejected the Messiah. So now we find in the tribulation period, while this justice was taking place, God, Jesus put a hold on that and said, i got some mercy that I want to share and I want to pour out. And guess what he does? He takes that same Abraham, the same tribes of Israel. He saves 12,000 out of each one of them. 144,000 of them now is going to go to all the world in the tribulation period, and be a blessing. Now God's word is coming to true. I don't know if you ever put Revelation chapter 7 with Genesis chapter 12, but it's there. And now we find as God would show his mercy upon this land, but it will be the Israelites that are preaching the gospel. Not the Jews, I mean not the Gentiles, but the Israelites. The Israelites, the ones who are going to bring the blessing. The, the Israelites who are going to bring the blessing to all the families of all the world. And we find here in, uh, in this chapter 7, and we see that all of Abraham's children, 12,000 from each tribe, 144,000 Jews. Now turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 14. It gives us a little bit more information concerning this group. Look in Revelation chapter four, 14 and verse 3. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song that 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. And so we see that they were saved. Just like you had to get saved, we got to get saved. Just like you had to get redeemed, we had to get redeemed. Just like you had to get reconciled unto God, you had, he had to get reconciled unto God. 144,000 that were redeemed from the earth. Uh, it wasn't a special, any special for them. It was that God saved 144,000 and they were redeemed. Look at number four, verse 4. These were they which were not defiled with woman. They were virgins. Virgin men. Virgin men that were Jews. Virgin men, uh, the Bible says, these are they which follow the Lamb with us, whoever he goeth. They were faithful. And these were redeemed among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. Meaning that they were the first fruits in the tribulation period. The first ones to ever be saved was them. And so we find in the scriptures telling us that these 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 Men that were virgins, that were Jews, uh, that were redeemed. Uh, uh, they were the first ones to be saved so they can go out and to win others to Christ in the tribulation period. And we find the mercy of God giving to the Jews what they don't deserve, right? They don't deserve to be saved or under judgment. But God saw, saw fit to set mercy. Just like us this morning, none of us deserve to be saved. None of us deserve to be redeemed. None of us this morning reserve to have or deserve to have Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Friend, you're going to pay for your sin. But in the midst of you paying for your sin, God just comes to you one day and says, Oh, stop. Wait. Let me offer to you the mercy to be redeemed. And that's what took place right here. The mercy of God. And boy, I tell you, it's encouraging to me to know that we have a God uh, that understands. We have a God that can see. We have a God uh, that has a heart. Amen. Yes, he's just. And all sin will be paid for. But at the same time, in that just, amen, there's a mercy about our Lord. And this morning, if anybody in this room who's living in sin, loving sin, and is taken over by sin and run and ruined by sin, friend, you can be redeemed this morning in the midst of his mercy, given to you what you don't deserve. And that's salvation. I pray you'll consider Jesus this morning. Number, number three, not only the saving of Jesus and the stopping of Jesus, but I know it's the sealing of Jesus. Back in chapter 7 and verse 2, the Bible says that the sealing of, of Jesus 
uh, it was it's amazing this morning. Uh, he says, I saw another angel uh, from the east having the seal of the living God. So that this angel had this seal. And the seal was going to be placed upon the forehead of this servant. And you're going to find out throughout the, the scriptures, you're going to find out the Antichrist, for those who are not saved, will have a seal on them as well. That's where we find Christ's servants have a seal upon them. And the seal there in that verse uh, 3 says, Till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. We find now because of the seal that's in the midst. Now remember now, we, we got all this we got all of this judgment happening. I mean, there's still no money. And, and there's still war. And there's still bloodshed. And there's still an antichrist. And there's still things that are going on. And people are dying all around, right? But because of the sealing of these 144,000 upon their foreheads, it makes them now not be affected with all that's going on. They're not affected with that. They're not affected. They're, they don't have to worry about dying. They don't have to worry about going hungry. They don't have to worry about uh, anything happening to them. Uh, they, are, they are completely, uh, they will not be effect, affected by the God's judgments. All those things that are going around is not going to hurt them. It's not going to bother them. They're in well. They're in good hands. Everything is fine. Everything's good. They're sealed, just like you are by the Holy Ghost of God. And then it will, they will not suffer any harm from any evil powers. The Antichrist can't do anything to these. The Antichrist cannot do anything by the way of, of cutting their heads off or the Antichrist can't do anything by way of putting them in prison or throwing them into a place where they can't do. Listen, they are protected and provided for because of the seal of God is upon their forehead. Uh, they will not be touched by the Antichrist. They will not be harmed by any of the armies, by any of the evil, by any of those who will hate them, uh, that will want to get rid of them. So the sealing of Jesus and then the sending of Jesus. We find that Jesus will send them and they'll be a witness for Jesus. And they'll preach the gospel. And they will serve the Lord. And 144,000 Jewish virgin men will bring the they will bring the world of suffering, of pain. Uh, they will bring the world to Jesus. Amen? And so we find how exciting that is. That's just a blessing. That's the mercy of God. But then I want to know, lastly today, this morning, the grace of God. Chapter 7, and, to, and then look in verse 9. After this. After what? After I just what I told you. After Jesus said, Hold up, angels, get that four wind and stop it. Let's not hurt the world. Let's not hurt the earth, the seas, or the trees. Here comes an angel of the seal. He says, 144,000, those that were redeemed. They're all Jewish men, virgin men. And now they're sent out to preach the gospel. After this, after the preaching went out, guess what happened? The grace of God. Now, what's the grace of God? The grace of God is receiving what you don't deserve. Now, remember, mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. What did every one of these in the tribulation period, what did they deserve? They didn't deserve salvation. Every one of them either received not Jesus or knew not Jesus, or they wouldn't be there. Right? And so we're talking about evil men. We're talking about unbelieving men. We're talking about people who are haters. Amen? And we find that during this period of time uh, that it was the grace of God that the Bible says in verse 9, uh, Lo, the great multitude. I mean, this, this multitude is, is so big, there's no numbers. This revival that took place in the tribulation period or will take place is so huge. It just, the only words explain it is the great multitude. And it's so vast, it just says, which no man could number of all nations, of kindreds, people, tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb. And so now a salvation has taken place to the very ones that hated God. 
the very ones that turned down Jesus and looked unto their own selves. And, and the Lord said, oh, listen, I know in the midst of my judgment, in the midst of my sentence, in the midst of my justice, I'm just going to have mercy. And I'm going to save 144,000. But in having mercy, I'm going to have grace to the, all the rest of the world, Jews and Gentiles alike, and I will just save a multitude. That's the heart of God today. The heart of God is not to send you to hell. The heart of God is not to watch you fry in the lake of fire. The heart of God is not to watch you walk out of here in just a moment in the bondage and in the chains of sin, watching your life just deteriorate before us and to watch everything that you do and everything that goes about your life to bring harm and hurt and pain. That's not God this morning. Oh, God is the one who, yes, there's justice upon your sin. Oh, but there's mercy who wants to live out. But then there's grace this morning that he wants to save you in. Whether it's today or the tribulation period, God's the same. He's the same. Oh, look, let's look at this grace. This grace. I notice the salvation for the sinner. The Bible says in that verse 9, clothed with right robes. We all know what that means this morning. We, we've been through Revelation enough in the last three months to know that the white robes mean salvation. Sins forgiven. Amen. <laughs> Sins forgiven. I mean, can you imagine the chaotic mess that's going to be taking place in the tribulation period and you actually get saved during that period of time and your sins are forgiven? You're clothed in white robes. In verse 9, it tells you you're arrayed in white robes. In verse 13, it says that you're washed in robes that are white. Amen. I'm just saying this morning uh, that there is a sins forgiven and then there's a sins forgotten. Made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. So not only does Jesus look upon these sinners in the tribulation period, Jews and Gentiles, and he says, I forgive you of your sin if you repent and receive me and I come into your life as Lord. He said, but I will forget your sins. I will remember them no more. I not hold them against you any longer. I know before the before the rapture you hated me and you didn't want nothing to do with me. And matter of fact, you just turned and said no and went about your life and you lived a life of absent of God. Oh, but now because of my grace and because of my mercy, he said, I am now extending it out to you so that you can be saved and forgiven, and I will forget your sin. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. That <laughs> we ain't got a hard nosed God. We ain't got a hard liner for a God. They said, Oh no. Uh, there was an age of grace for two thousand years. There was an age of the church for two thousand years from thirty AD all the way up to the day. Friend twenty thirty will be exactly two thousand years since Jesus died. He said, I have given you time in space. I've given you day after day. I have given you message after message. I have sent prophet, preacher, teacher, and you don't want nothing to do with me. But during the tribulation period he shows forth this grace. What a God. What a Savior. What a Lord. Oh, I'm so glad. Now we find the salvation for the sinner, but the standing before the Savior. Verses 9 and verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb. He's standing before the Savior. And they get saved, and in the tribulation period, once, once you get saved, you get martyred. And we talked about that before. We'll talk about it again. You'll have your head cut off. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you die. That's how that works in this tribulation period. Hey, but they say yes to Jesus because of his grace and his mercy and the preaching of the 144,000. And immediately as soon as they say yes, they die. And now they're standing before Jesus at the throne. Well, that ain't a bad way to go. I mean, what's wrong with that? Take my head. As soon as I shut my eyes and I stop breathing and my heart stops beating, when I look up, just Jesus, the absence of the body's present with the Lord. Hallelujah. How can you intimidate a Christian with death? 
I remember when COVID was running around. Oh, bathe yourself. Bathe yourself in all these chemicals. I mean, wear two or three, four, five, six masks in the front, the back, and the side. And you better take as many of these vaccinations you can get. And get, and get some boosters on top of that. And get a super booster. And boy, you, then you start putting down your body all of these, uh, all these little uh, vitamins and, and all these little extra things. And, and doing this and doing that. And we're separating from each other six foot, not eight foot, not four foot, but six foot. Because that's some special distance you know and then we and walk around and you can't hear that separate everybody's out of the way uh, the business is closed down the feeding place is closed down most churches closed down this one didn't but a lot of churches closed down uh, because of the fear of what death there's something wrong with the church today when death is your motivation of just following along with the, what the government says far along with what everybody else tells you to do because you're going to die. Well, here, they died, and they were down there, down there sitting at the throne of Jesus. <laughs> That's grace. They're serving as a saint now. Verses 15 through 17, read that with me. Therefore are they before the throne of God, serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. I mean, good, not. These, these individuals who left the tribulation period and now all that chaos and war and famine and hurt and pain, no doubt probably seeing some of their family members get killed, probably seeing some friends get killed. They're probably starving themselves. They're probably hungry themselves. They're probably can't watch their children can't eat and, and to watch their spouses. Um, I mean, it, it's just a wild time, this tribulation period. Everything. Hey, ever thought about this? When the rapture happens, the rapture happens. Every child in here who's not the age of accountability will be gone. Right? Everyone in this room who has a disability that cannot understand that they're a sinner and Jesus is Savior and cannot comprehend that they must repent of their sin and receive Christ as Savior, they'll be gone. Right? Everyone and anyone this morning who know adult or not, who knows not because they can't think not because of the handicap that they're in, will be gone. Now, when the rapture happens, there's no little b babies. There's no, there's no little one, two, three, four, five. Huh, ain't that weird? Did y'all think about that? I mean, listen, friend, it's going to be it's going to be some wild, chaotic mess. And all of a sudden, here comes 144,000 virgin man, Jews. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Repent of your sin. Receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I mean, it's going to be something. And then the grace of God comes and he saves them. As soon as they get saved, they die. Next thing you know, they're in the throne of God. Next thing you know, they're serving the Lord. Day and night, day and night. Day and night, day and night. Just serving him. Just up and up in heaven serving him. That's grace. That's grace. Don't you want to be there? Don't you want to be the one this morning that soon as death comes to your way? You know, the Bible says that every one of us has a time to die. It is appointed to man once to die, then after the judgment. Do you not know the Bible says that he has numbered our days? Do you know that this morning that it could be that all of us might die of old age? But then all of us could die of COVID too. So we find this morning serving as a saint in the presence of God. Notice the, notice the sight that when they're there. Notice the sight. Look, look in verse 11. Now they just came out of chaotic mess. They kind of get the picture here. They live all their lives without Jesus. The rapture happens. Tribulation begins. Now they're in a chaotic catastrophe. Right? Things are just out of whack. Nothing's the same. No one's going to work. No one's doing anything. It's all shut down. These 144,000 come, put your trust and faith in Jesus. They do. They get saved. Because they get saved, they get killed. Now, they, now they're in heaven immediately. And while they're in heaven, they're serving the Lord. But while they're in heaven, there are some sights that I want you to see that they see. Verse 11. And the angels... And all the angels stood around the, about the throne and about the elders and about the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces. 
and worship God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might be to unto our God forever and ever. Can you imagine seeing that? I mean, you got these angels that are falling down at the foot of Jesus, whom, whom just saved you. The beast, all the created beings of heaven falling down at Jesus. Anyone and everyone who's saved and redeemed like the church falling down at Jesus. Can you imagine just going to heaven, look over there at Jesus, and you have thousands, hundreds, and millions of people just falling down? What a sight. And then the sounds saying, Glory! Amen! Thanksgiving! Power! Not for one day. Not for two. Not for a week. Not for a year. Not for a decade. Not for a century. What a sight. What a sound. And I don't believe some of you this morning will not, you won't get there because you don't want to be there, but you wouldn't fit in there. We find the power of God. The Bible says in verse 16, he says, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on them, nor any heat. Can I say, there will be no more sin. The power of God's there, no more sin. There will be no more suffering. They were suffering in the tribulation period. They were hungering. No more hunger. They were thirsting. No more thirst. No more suffering. There'll be no more sun. There'll be no more searching. Verses 17, Jesus is going to feed them, and Jesus is going to lead them. No more searching. There'll be no more sorrow. God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes the last time that they'll ever cry. Right there. Can you imagine the hand as we preached out of Isaiah 40? That holds all the waters within his hand. From the pinky to the top of his finger in the palm. That hand reaching down and touching your face. And removing that tear. You know that hand that right now holds us. Where nobody can come out of his hands. And then the father's hand we're all in there. And nobody shall separate us. That same hand. Swipe the tears. You'll never tear again. You'll never cry again. There'll be ever, never a time that you'll ever be sad. You'll never be depressed. You'll never be anxiety. All of diseases are done. All of emotions are out. The feelings of all that you had of suicide and hate and bitterness and ugliness and unforgiveness and jealousies and envies are done. Why wouldn't you receive the grace of God this morning? Why wouldn't you accept the mercy of God this morning? Knowing the justice of God. Knowing that the sin you've committed must be judged. But there's a mercy. And God will not give to you what you deserve. Amen? Through the blood of the Lamb if you just receive them. And then you'll find the grace of God giving to you what you don't deserve. And that is eternal life. Would you consider Christ this morning? They did. And my, they're going to have a time in heaven. What a wonderful time that be. You know what? I know I'm saved this morning. And I know that if I die today that I'd go to heaven. Not because of my good works and not because of my good looks and not because of my good works and not because of anything about me. But because I have believed upon the word who is Christ and I believed upon the word in which what it said. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I done that. And I believed in Christ. And I repented of sin. And I received him as my Lord and Savior. Because of that, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so according to the scripture and according to Jesus, we have, have everlasting life. But do you? I pray that you do. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.
the greatest revival that man has ever, ever, ever experienced. Now, here's my thought this morning. I don't want, ever, I don't want nobody to be in that revival. I want everybody to be in the rapture. Do you know Christ this morning as your Savior? If you die right now, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If you don't, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Come unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The only reason why you wouldn't come this morning is because of pride. And you're full of pride. That's the only reason why you wouldn't come. If Jesus is calling, you come. Unless pride is in your way. Pride is why Satan was kicked out of heaven. And pride would be the why you don't get into heaven. You sing, Brother George, and would you come? You come. We'll sing one verse. Christians are praying. Christians are seeking the Lord today. We don't know who's saved, who's lost. We don't know that. But we do know that Jesus can save. Would you give up? Would you let go? Would you give Christ your heart this morning? Would you surrender all? Would you let him be the king? Would you let him rule? Come, dear sinner friend. As a, as a saved individual, my heart's broken because of all that will be left behind. Children, grandchildren, moms and dads and brothers and sisters, friends and relatives, co-workers, church members left behind. My, that hurts. That's painful. It's time to get right with God. It's time to get straight with the Lord. Yes, amen. Blessed be his name. Hallowed be his name. That's right. Hallelujah. Thank you, my brother. George, I appreciate that. Would you dismiss us this morning in a word of prayer? There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be.
What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. What a day, glorious day that will be.